What's fascinating to me in regard to impact strategies is that a spirit of generosity is like a secret key that unlocks and maximizes impact, especially as it relates to the U.S. tax codes and regs. Welcome to the Journey to Impact podcast, where we show you how to turn your unique passion into a strategy to change the world. Today, Ed's going to introduce the idea of the Impact Toolbox. In subsequent episodes, he'll break down specific tools from the toolbox, but today he's going to emphasize the importance of understanding your tools. Sometimes it's hard to get excited about the fundamentals when what you really want is the end results. But if you don't take the time to learn about these basic tools, you may severely limit the impact you can have on this world. It's time to get off the bench. Let's do this. Here's your host, Ed Gillentine. Hello, this is Ed Gillentine, and thanks for joining us on this podcast in our series on the basics of impact, which is designed to go deeper into the principles and the ideas that are expressed in the book Journey to Impact. In today's session, we're going to be talking about the impact toolbox. And these are some subjects that, frankly, are a little bit boring. They're challenging to understand, and yet they're critical. And so I want to challenge you to stay tuned in, stay focused on these, and I'll do my best to make them as interesting as possible. But this could be one of those podcasts where for you, it's nothing but discipline, right? Some of you, like me, this is pretty fascinating. So you will enjoy talking about taxes and business structure and nonprofit structure and those types of things. But I would encourage you, stay focused, stay disciplined, because this is one of the most important podcasts of all the ones that we've had. Abraham Lincoln is credited with saying this, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four hours sharpening the ax. And I think that's a a quote that emphasizes how important it is not only to get good at your tools, but to take care of them, stay on top of them and use them in the manner in which they were designed. Recently, my wife has been the general contractor on a bathroom remodel at our house. And that's not something that's happened overnight. It's happened over almost 20 years of marriage where we realized that I'm terrible at home repair projects, right? Mostly because I don't really enjoy doing them, which is mostly driven because I'm not very good at doing them. And part of that is driven because I don't have the right tools, right? Have you ever tried to scrape paint off of a window without a razor blade or without a paint scraper? Have you ever tried to sand something without a sander or with the wrong grit of sandpaper? Right? It just makes it challenging. When we bought the house that we're in, we knew there was going to be a lot of work. And so my dad helped us, which he's very good at that sort of thing. But I tried to do a lot of it myself. But you can imagine doing simple things like trim. You've got some really basic 45-degree angles in the corners, right? And sometimes you need to cut around, say, a vent or something. Well, Doing that without the right equipment not only is frustrating and takes way longer, but when you're an amateur like me, you're going to get it all wrong. And so we learned after several years of trying to do this that it's not worth the stress on the marriage for me to be involved, right? So Liz has taken over. I've learned some humility, and frankly, she does it a lot better than me. Our middle daughter, and this does relate to the right tools, for impact. Our middle daughter is instinctively good at math. She gets the concepts. She gets how to do it. 
uh, better than any of our other kids. They have to really work at math, and, and she doesn't really have to do it. But she hates math at school. And so recently I asked her, you know, how do you like math? I hate it. Well, why do you hate it? You make great grades. You, you seem to get everything right. Your teachers always say you're really good at math. And she told me, I hate it because it's just boring. It's, there's nothing practical about it. So recently, and she loves to cook, she loves to bake. And so recently I was in there um, helping her with one of her baking projects. And I believe it was the one half cup measuring cup that we had already used. And so it was dirty. And so we needed another half cup of something. And so the one fourth cup measuring cup was clean. And so I said, could we use this? And of course she said immediately, yeah, we can just use two of those. And I said, do you realize you just did math? And she was like, what? And I said, yeah, that's, that's the practical part of math. And she said, yeah, I like that. That's fun. And I asked her, but how would you know how to do it if you hadn't done the work at school? Of course, she looked at me and realized that, yeah, you do have to do the boring stuff first. And that's how, in order to learn the principles, that then you can do the fun stuff. And so that's how the technical basics are in the toolbox. So you're probably starting to realize, hopefully after 12 or 13 or 14 podcasts in, that each one of them build on the one before it. And if you skip or minimize any one of these principles, it's like sort of like removing the legs of a chair or a stool, right? And your launching pad for impact is going to become unstable. For many people, As I mentioned in the introduction, these topics are the most difficult to work through out of all of the ones that we discuss in these podcasts, because on its face, frankly, they're boring. But trust me when I say this, if you don't take the time to work through these tools and to understand their basic principles, you're going to reduce your impact in a significant way. So Think about being a skilled craftsman. Think about being an impact craftsman. And you could be an artist, a mechanic, an electrician, a jeweler. It doesn't really matter what they do. But what I want you to think about is the fact that they all have a relatively small set of tools with which they perform about 75% of their craft. And if you were to compare their tools to every other craftsman in their field, they're all pretty much the same. So what's the difference, say, between Michelangelo, the artist, and me? What's the difference between a friend of mine who works in a body shop, manages a body shop, and me? Primarily, it's the skill with which they use their basic tools. And skilled craftsmen spend hours honing their craft, right? And they're extremely skilled with what I'll call for lack of a better description, advanced techniques and skills. But the hours and hours that they spend perfecting their skills and understanding the basic set of tools are what allows them to understand and perfect the advanced techniques and skills. So before we dive into this, first I I do have to give some caveats and disclaimers because, yes, our attorney friends uh, permeate every area of our society, even impact discussions. So I don't know what your exact situation is. So anything that we're going to talk about in these podcasts that are relative to taxes, legal advice, financial advice, have to be discussed with your advisors, right? The tax and legal environments are constantly evolving. And so by the time you listen to this, even if it's within the next six months, 
the tools we're going to talk about may not even be available, right? They're always sort of evolving. So anytime I can, we're going to talk about principles instead of specifics. But anytime you talk about principles or you generalize, right, it immediately doesn't apply to most people. Because I want to stress, your situation is unique. But the generalizations, the principles are going to help with concepts. But at the point you get into your specifics, for example, how do you set up an apple orchard in Ethiopia, then you will need to have advice tailored to your unique situation. Another thing I want to say by way of a caveat is the principles we're going to be discussing are primarily from a U.S. point of view. In most developed countries, their tax and legal principles are somewhat similar. And so hopefully they'll be helpful outside the United States. But especially if you're working or living or engaging in impact strategies outside the U.S., you must consult your tax, legal, and financial advisors before you implement your strategy. Now, before we jump into specific tools, I want to talk about an overarching principle that over the past five years or so, I've realized has a great deal to do with how successfully you will wield your impact toolbox and tools. And that's the principle of generosity. As odd as it might sound, the more I consider this, the more I believe that generosity unlocks the impact toolbox. Now, let me try to explain. I think most of us would agree that generosity is good. It's a healthy quality, right, that we should all seek to apply in our lives. But what's fascinating to me in regard to impact strategies is that a spirit of generosity is like a secret key that unlocks and maximizes impact, especially as it relates to the U.S. tax codes and regs. For thousands of years, since time began, ancient teachers and philosophers have taught that generosity is a virtue, right? There's an ancient Hebrew proverb that says, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but ends up impoverished. The Apostle Paul in the Christian faith quotes Jesus as teaching that it's more blessed to give than receive. There's a Hindu proverb that says, they who give have all things, they who withhold have nothing. And the Buddha teaches giving brings happiness at every stage of its expression. And I mention all of those proverbs and principles to emphasize the fact that these teachings have been around for a really long time, but probably three or four years ago, I read a book called The Paradox of Generosity by Dr. Christian Smith and Dr. Hilary Davidson. And in this book, they summarize and elaborate on some of the key findings from a study called the Science of Generosity Initiative that the University of Notre Dame commissioned. And their research seems to support what many people have believed anecdotally for years, and that is generosity helps not only the receiver, but also the giver. So, yes, academic research has verified that generous people are more likely to benefit from their generosity than not, but I would say that generous people also have the inside track on maximizing the benefit of the U.S. tax code simply because they have a generous spirit. Think about this. If you approach your impact from the perspective of how can I maximize my impact, you're going to approach your tax planning with how can I maximize the benefits of the tax code versus someone that's approaching their generosity purely from a financial perspective 
and they're thinking, how little can I give away and still get some tax benefits? Does that make sense? So if gifting appreciated stock means more money can go to an effective nonprofit, an impact-focused person is going to give away appreciated stock. But if your focus is on how can I give away the least amount possible but still get a helpful tax deduction, you're going to probably be thinking, how can I give away cash and hang on to that stock that's growing like gangbusters? And I'm not trying to give you advice about appreciated stock. I'm just saying that people that have generous spirits are more likely to approach the impact toolbox with the idea of maximizing impact rather than maximizing tax deductions or take-home income. Thanks for listening. Next time, Ed's going to explain some tax-related tools that you can leverage in your impact efforts. To learn more about Ed and Journey to Impact, visit edgillentine.com. That's E-D-G-I-L-L-E-N-T-I-N-E.com. Until next time, embrace, build, act.